A little less than two weeks ago, Alex Grinch provided some pleasantly surprising news, stating the OU defense was a little ahead of where he thought they'd be through five spring practices. Unfortunately, that bit of good news came with a bit of bad news. Grinch admitted OU's secondary was lacking numbers. Coming into the spring, we knew three defensive backs were out with injuries, Robert Barnes, Jordan Parker, and Starlin Baldwin. Three more true freshman DBs are set to join the team this summer, Woody Washington, Jaden Davis, and Jeremiah Cradell, all of them four-star players. In a perfect world, all six of these guys will be ready to compete for starting spots come August. As Grinch told me, if you're at Oklahoma right now, don't say you never got a chance to play. If you're good enough, Alex Grinch will play you, no matter where you come from, scholarship or not. Right now, we're not in a perfect world, though. In fact, the Sooners are working with only three scholarship cornerbacks at the moment, Parnell Motley, Trey Brown, and Miguel Edwards. Additionally, Grinch said this week that only three scholarship safeties are healthy. Doing the math on that, I'd say he means Buki, Justin Broyles, and Trey Norwood. Although I will add that I saw Patrick Fields at practice on Monday, so perhaps Grinch's calculations were a bit off, or one of those guys isn't fully healthy but was still out there. Full disclosure, I saw Chance Sylvie not dressed back on Monday when the media was allowed at practice for 15 minutes. As for Delaren Turner-Yell, I think I saw him at practice Monday working out, but honestly, I can't remember. He was definitely available during the first spring practice in early March. I don't want this to sound like DTY is injured or anything like that because I don't know that. But like I said a moment ago, Grinch mentioned only three healthy scholarship safeties and three healthy scholarship corners. Maybe the math is off. Maybe it's not. On the bright side, though, Grinch had some great things to say about Turner Yell this week, and I'll play that for you during the show. So my best guess right now is that he's fine. In any case, we all know the secondary was the most glaring weakness on the OU defense in 2018. And in the early days of Alex Grinch, I'm not sure how much that group can improve with so many players unavailable to practice. Sure, Grinch recently said that the defense is a little ahead of where he thought they'd be, but more recently, as in this past Monday, Grinch said they're building an identity, but quote, we're light years away from being a good defense. Grinch adding, the standard is not just to be good at Oklahoma. We've got a long way to go before OU kicks off the 2019 season at home against Houston on August 31st. There's plenty of time for improvement in the next five-ish months, but I think it'd be irresponsible to be anything other than skeptical yet cautiously optimistic when it comes to the Sooners' defense. This unit has been bad for three straight seasons, but a new person is in charge. Skeptical? yet cautiously optimistic. That's where I stand until I see more than a game or two of solid, consistent, not going to lose you games if your offense isn't perfect, Oklahoma defensive football. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Hatcher, and Bosworth is right there. So Mark Hatcher goes down in the ball. Yep, that's it. 
Our intro today, courtesy of Brian Bosworth, the Boz, making a tackle for loss against Colorado back on November 15th, 1986. OU went on to shut out the Buffs 28 to nothing. Uh, it's April now, and we're going to showcase players who wore number 44 at Oklahoma. I got to say, pretty difficult to find good to great calls of Brian Bosworth plays during his time at Oklahoma. Uh, which is pretty crazy considering he was a two-time All-American and he won the Buckus Award twice as well. You know, unfortunately for the boss, his most iconic play came at his own expense as he couldn't tackle Bo Jackson near the goal line on Monday Night Football back in 1987, which was his rookie season in the NFL. And I actually have a little bit more to say about this play in a moment, but we'll wait for Grant to come back in because he might have thoughts too. But before we do that, quick rundown of the show today we've got tons of sound tons and tons of sound we got lincoln riley alex grinch jay bulware bulware giving us some insight on the kicker and the punter plus we'll hear from trey brown and also caleb kelly obviously horrible news about caleb kelly broke on thursday ou announcing that he sustained a lower body injury that will require surgery and according to OU Insider, a source confirmed that Kelly tore his ACL. So uh, not great for Caleb Kelly. We talked to him back on Monday when everything was fine. So uh, sometime between Monday and Thursday, Caleb Kelly injured his knee. Grant and I will, of course, talk about this. And uh, defensive tackle Jordan Kelly, also a lower body injury that will keep him sidelined for an extended period of time. So uh, speaking of time, let's not waste any more of it. Grant, welcome to the show. How is it going today? Pretty negative week of OU football news. Ailey? Yeah, and we pushed this podcast back to a later date, longer than normal. And uh, it's, I guess, kind of good we did because we have a full week's worth of stuff to talk about now. And uh, yeah, a lot of it's kind of kind of negative not great but hey real quick but oh sorry that sounds no, like you have some no i was gonna say it, it it seems like whenever there is big news that comes out of the spring it typically is negative so i was gonna say if there if there is a big news week for for spring ball that is usually not a very good sign yeah yeah that's a good it's a good point uh real quick that that brian bosworth play it's like an iconic play when he took on bo jackson near the goal line on monday night football and i went and just looked at that play again to refresh myself because every time I Googled Brian Bosworth and, you know, iconic plays or play, that was always the first thing. I got to say, most overrated play or iconic play ever. I, it was just a dude, two players that met at the line of scrimmage and Bosworth went high and Bo Jackson, one of the best running backs ever, and he shook him off and scored a touchdown. I just, it was, man, that, when people talk about that play, you think that he just trucked over Brian Bosworth, stepped on his face mask, and high-stepped into the end zone. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, I don't uh, know. I yeah, just, I mean, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I, I thought it was weird. You texted me kind of a couple hours before you were going to go on and asked me if I've, I've seen the video, and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought you were referencing some sort of, like, new video that they How have released. you not ever seen that video? I've seen the video. I just, I thought you were oh. referencing something completely different. Oh, okay. I didn't, I, I thought that there was, like, Bo Jackson and Brian Bosworth news or something. Not that you, <laughs> not that you just randomly brought up the video of him getting oh. uh, quote unquote run over. Yeah, Brian Bosworth is most certainly not being run over in that video. Robert Barnes got ran over by Josh Jacobs. <laughs> yeah, that was being run over. 
Yeah, thanks for adding another negative thing to this already negative week. A negative memory. Appreciate it. Yeah, right, you're, let's, you're welcome, I guess. Yeah, okay. Well, let's, let's talk about all this fun stuff. We'll begin with OU's first scrimmage of the spring, and that happened on Monday. And according to Lincoln Riley, the offense was decent early, but not very good in the back half. Caleb Kelly couldn't decide who won the scrimmage when I asked him about it on Monday. He said it was hard to say, and Kelly also added that Buki had an interception in the scrimmage, so positive news from the Buki front. Parnell Motley talked to him. He told me with a big old smile on his face that he thought the defense won the scrimmage, but but then we, we got some sobering news from Alex Grinch when his assessment of the scrimmage was, quote, there was a lot of ugly, and Grinch also added that he was fairly disappointed by what he saw in the scrimmage. So, Grant, obviously, uh, you, you weren't there for the scrimmage. You didn't get a chance to see it. But uh, based on what you've heard, what you've learned, you have any thoughts on the first scrimmage of the spring? I think we got to be really careful to not get too negative. This is what I was sort of uh, ruminating about you before we just started uh, recording. Um, because I think if you read a little too much into what Alex Grinch said on Monday... I, you would be forgiven for sure for thinking that the defense is going to be really bad again next year. <laughs> um, so, you know, I am hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping Alex Grinch, this is a little bit of gamemanship on his part. Not gamemanship as in like trying to deceive anybody, but maybe trying to challenge his guys. I don't know what sort of um, what he's judging them against. Is he is he disappointed that they... Uh, you know that they looked like a top 50 defense and not a top 10 defense I don't know who knows um, but yeah there's you know along with what Alex Grinch you know his comments after the the scrimmage on Monday along with Caleb Kelly uh, tearing his ACL and Jordan Kelly presumably doing the same thing we don't know yet um, I I, yeah, you would certainly be forgiven for being a little negative right now and maybe feeling like, hey, you know, uh, the, the fun, happy times of Alex Grinch, they've kind of been stomped on a little bit by reality, it kind of feels like right now. Um, but I don't know. We, we don't know yet. It's still spring, and it's... <laughs> I, I know there's just not a lot to go on here yet, so I'm, I'm trying to stay clear-minded here and trying not to panic too much, but... It is certainly not great what we've heard come out of practice this week. And that's really all I can, I, I can say about it now because anything else past that is probably just going to be speculation. So a little insight onto what he's seeing. Because Grinch goes into pretty good details when you ask him what he's seeing out there. And Which is also why I'm kind of concerned because he did go into detail. <laughs> well, you were kind of just saying a moment ago, you were trying to theorizing, you know, what is he judging it on? What is he seeing? What Grinch is seeing out there, what he says, is that when the ball is snapped, the anticipation of the players to make a play is just not there for enough guys right now. That's what he said on Monday. And he said that you can't just be content with being in the right place. And it's just it's it's never good enough. He, he kept saying, you know, no matter what, even if there is improvements and things look better, it really is never good enough. And it's something that they're going to be working on all throughout the fall and into the season. So it's your typical thought process of a coach of always getting better, never settle. And that's kind of what I took from it. But the main part of that, though, is that what he's seeing is that he's just – they're not in the mindset enough guys of how to make a play on each snap. They're they are still thinking a lot. 
they're still trying to to figure out what they're doing defensively with this new scheme and that's kind of what it sounds like is that they want to play fast but a lot of the guys seem to be just content with being in the right spot but not necessarily making a play here and there so yeah it's it's not the best of news even though we got again like a couple weeks ago almost hearing that they were a little ahead of schedule what he thought I mean that was good but then we found out that they were down in numbers and then now this week it's been been more negative than not so Grant want to talk more about Caleb Kelly here again OU insider reporting it's a torn ACL so if that's the case uh, Kelly he's not going to play in 2019 unless he makes some sort of miraculous incredible recovery and maybe he's you know would if, if that's even the case he'd be available for just the latter half of the year because ACLs from what I understand usually minimum six months to nine months for a full recovery and just was thinking about this for some context it's been nearly now seven months since Rodney Anderson had surgery to repair his torn ACL and we still haven't seen Rodney do any on-field drills at least publicly and the NFL draft obviously is coming up in the next few weeks so you know who knows maybe Rodney's out there doing stuff we just don't know about that yet but I, I'd say don't bet on Caleb Kelly being available this fall uh, if he does indeed have that torn ACL. So, Grant, I'll, I'll open you up for some uh, initial thoughts on Caleb Kelly. No, my first thought was is just really, really feel awful for Caleb Kelly. Um, he's a guy who has, you know, who stepped on campus as a five-star guy, had a lot of expectations, and I think, uh, objectively speaking, he probably has not lived up to those expectations. Um, that does not mean he has not been a perfect ambassador for OU football because he has. He's been a, a model citizen. He's been a great teammate by all accounts. Um, and he has had some some moments where he's been a really good football player for OU as well. Um, but for the most part, um, he's just he's been just a great person. And um, I don't know, I, 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 the human element, I feel really bad for him. Um, and so yeah. he's he's now going to be faced with a pretty pretty difficult decision in the next handful of months. Uh, basically, do I just kind of do I wrap it up, close up shop, get ready for for the NFL, or you know, do I rehab this thing and try to come back for one more year? That's certainly going to be a really tough decision for him, and I I'm I'm just kind of upset at the universe that he's got to make that decision for somebody who has been know. you know who is who has been through what he's been through, and and you know context is important here, and you know uh, he's getting a full ride to play football at a, at a university. So it's not like he's going to Iraq or anything like that. Um, but still it, it sucks to see um, a, a kid do everything that's asked of him, do everything right. And just the, the universe decides to take a dump on you. I don't like that. It sucks. <laughs> um, and so that was basically just my first thought from it. And um, the human element of me, uh, the human element of it is something that I'm, I'm struggling to, to get over for sure. That, that one, this one kind of hurts more than others have in the past yeah we'll see if it's a tough decision for him I can totally see him it, it becoming an easier decision if you know he goes through his rehab is fine he, he gets back to full strength and let's say the defense does make some strides and he sees that he could have you know a nice role in that defense when healthy you know maybe he thinks you know what I, I need to put more recent tape on film before I go to the draft so boom I'm coming back for you know what'd be like a medical redshirt year I suppose it would be uh yeah, I could I could see that. Or I suppose the other thing is, you know, you know, do you risk potentially getting injured again and then you know not making that money? If you know, at this point though, I'm not even sure if Caleb Kelly would would get drafted. Next yeah, I year. can't I can't imagine he would. To Especially be coming off of an injury. Yeah the the position he's excelled the most at 
um, in college football does not exist in the NFL for the most part. Um, so yeah, and I've been. I, it doesn't matter anymore, most likely. But just the the fact that he still has been playing will linebacker was just kind of surprising to me. And I had some sound on him talking about that that I just I decided to pitch because again, it, it it'd be a, a miracle at this point if he's healthy enough to, to even play this upcoming year if if it is true again uh, according to OU insider he's got a torn ACL but um so it, yeah that's that was interesting thing about it is like where was he going to fit in was he actually going to really transition and play the will well I don't know um so Grant yeah that's a couple I, I got some I got a positive not that it's not it doesn't matter a whole lot but talking to him on Monday we you know, he was asked who had the biggest hit in the scrimmage and Kelly, he said that, you know, if they were allowed to hit the quarterbacks, he thought he he had the biggest hit. He would have had the biggest hit because he got to the quarterbacks quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of just talking more about the defensive practice. He did mention that DeLaren Turner Yell has uh, a big hit every single practice. I know he's your guy, Grant, and it, it sounds like we'll get to him in a moment. He's having a, a, a good spring for the most part. So uh, just real quick, I just wanted to mention that about Kelly. But, um, I mean, who's who's the next man up? behind Caleb Kelly at Will Linebacker, Grant? Well, I think, if anything, this crystallizes uh, one position group going into 2019 unless more injuries happen. I think we can pretty safely say that uh, Kenneth Murray and Deshaun White are going to be your two starting linebackers for Oklahoma in 2019. Injuries notwithstanding, I think that's fairly obvious now. Yeah, we'll see. The only uh, the only other thing is if, if Brian Meade takes Deshaun White's spot, which I can't imagine happening, or... Or uh, you know Levi Draper, or Jonathan Perkins, or Brian Asamoah doing those, um, and everything that we've heard about Deshaun White, um, that seems very unlikely. He seems to. Um, it, it didn't even seem like it was a for sure thing that Caleb Kelly would beat out Deshaun White for Will linebacker. So, um, yeah, I, I I I'm I'm comfortable honestly just penciling it in right now. Maybe even doing it in ink right now. It's going to be Kenneth Murray and Deshaun White. Well, what if? So yeah, this is the tough thing with me in these in these inside linebacker roles because. Um, what if are we sure that that's where Deshaun White's been playing because I had some sort of thought that maybe Deshaun White and Kenneth Murray are battling for a starting spot I suppose we don't know for sure I guess that's um, the thing it's just like it's kind of you know inside linebackers and I could have sworn I saw notes uh, kind of like some of those practice notes that have come out I could have sworn I've seen that and maybe did it had I, been I it had been I Deshaun that White stuff as much as you Kelly, do yeah I don't know and, so yeah I kind of just go off of what the, guy, the coaches say at practice what the guys say and um, you know I don't again I'm I'm not uh, your typical traditional insider type guy I'm at the practices things like that but uh, let's just say I'm not texting Alex Grinch every practice or any of the assistants but yeah I, so yeah I mean those it would let's make sense I'm, that those I'm players very, that you mentioned but yeah I, but I'm very very comfortable with that prediction like I'm 99.9 percent sure all right well Let's keep talking about those inside linebackers. Talking again to Kelly on Monday, he had a lot of great things to say about the new inside linebackers coach, Brian Odom. And for those of you who don't know, Odom was on that Sooners 2000 National Championship team. And his message to his linebacker group is that playing linebacker at Oklahoma means holding yourself to a higher standard. Yeah, he talks about Teddy Lehman a lot because he played with him. And he said he, he played running back, and so he always makes the emphasis that Teddy never boomed him and never knocked him out. And so he wanted to make sure that was clear. And then um, he, he just says that 
that those linebackers, Teddy Lehman, Curtis Lofton, and just all those guys, those are guys who set that standard for us. And so that's how linebacker play needs to be. It needs to be on that standard where we need to have all Americans. We need to have defensive players of the year because that's what it should be. And that's what it's been in the past. So that's Caleb Kelly talking about, you know, that standard that Brian Odom is setting. And I wanted to pull that sound by Grant's the first, first buy we have today, just because I like, you know, going old school, mentioning Teddy Lehman, Curtis Lofton, and just knowing how, poor the defense has been recently a guy like Brian Odom has seen you know, he was around when that defense was so good back in the early 2000s and so I just thought that was interesting that that's something that he's been preaching to this linebacker group so uh, that yeah, but you, then, need, that you yeah. need all Americans you need defensive player of the year type players yeah but I can't help but think I mean are, are you telling me the guys you know that preceded Brian Odom weren't talking about Teddy Lehman and Curtis Lofton I'm sure they were like yeah. I, 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 yeah, I'm I mean, pretty sure these because yeah. Mike Stoops obviously has was there too. So I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure these guys are. It's made very clear to them the standard they're supposed to live up to at Oklahoma. Um, the problem has been they just they haven't been put in very good positions to do that. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess yeah. This I, I don't just just because Brian Odom is is coaching them to or, or is telling them hey you guys need to play like Teddy Lehman and, and, and Curtis Lofton doesn't mean they're going to be able to play like Teddy Lehman and Curtis Lofton. Yeah, and the inside linebacker group, as I frantically go through my notes right now, that's a group that Lincoln Riley talking on Wednesday this week, he was saying that that group, that this scheme, this Alex Grinch scheme, uh, it may be more different to those guys than any other position group. And we already heard Alex Grinch recently talk about how difficult it is to play that inside linebacker position at the college level. So, uh Brian Odom's got a, his work cut out for him here in his first year at OU. That's for sure. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, Odom is is Grinch's guy. Then I mean that was the. That's why I'm. I'm glad. Yeah, Grinch was able to go out and get the guy he wanted, guy he's coached with before. So Grant, what about Jordan Kelly? Uh, it sounds like he's in the miss 2019 as well. Although uh, he has already had surgery, according to Oklahoma's press release they sent out. And this is a player who's 6'3", 297, redshirt freshman, played in a couple games a season ago. Uh, probably a guy that could have contributed in 2019, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he would have been. I, I got to think he would have been part of the rotation in all likelihood. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, a player from I, – I think he was – he went to either Jinx or Union. I can't uh, – I mean, I got it up here. He went to Union. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's from Oklahoma. He, from one of the big powerhouses but so yeah tough for him uh and i think yeah i mean may, he might you know we don't know for sure what he has what ailment he has but he already has had surgery so. i mean can we be he's got a torn acl like if you have a lower body injury that you had surgery on everyone knows that's code for torn acl yeah is and that like, what everyone I, knows yeah i'm just i'm just saying what it's if he like broke a, what if he broke a bone or something you could have surgery on a broken bone you don't yeah that wouldn't be significant time though yeah Okay. The, the the press release says they're going to miss significant time. That means Makes you they wonder why they ligament. just aren't why they just aren't upfront about it. Because they're they're weird with injuries now. They are they're not upfront with very. With well, we're probably going to find out. I mean, the next time we talk to the coaches and get it on the record, I'm sure they'll. I mean, we'll see. We'll see if they're open about it. I guess you know what they never really they never really said what Rodney Anderson's injury was. Did no, they? They didn't. No, because they don't. <laughs> Everyone knew it. Yeah. And I'm sure they so. have the reasons. It's just like. From my perspective, until I until I see a like legitimate reasons why they do it, it's just kind of silly from my perspective. 
All right, well, while we're on the defensive line, we mentioned Kelly. The name that came up to Lincoln Riley was Laron Stokes. Grant, uh, what do you know about Laron Stokes? Anything? Not really anything at all other than, you know, what we've, what we've heard from the coaching staff lately. You know, I don't, I don't get too heavy into recruiting. I'm not going to try to break down his film or anything like that. Um, he was a, you know, he was a three-star Juco guy uh, who's defensive end. I think he played at NEO, didn't he? Yep. Or yeah. Um, yep. And so they're they're saying uh, the coach has been saying that he's been pretty impressive in practice and he's got a nice little burst. So um, hey, any sort of pass rushing help or defensive line depth that they can develop, I'm I'm all for. So uh, I'll be totally honest with you. When they signed him and I saw JUCO defensive end in my mind, I probably thought that guy is just there for depth. Probably will not be much of a factor in his career at OU. But um, who knows? I guess we'll find out. There's they don't got a lot of depth on the defensive line or on the defense at all for that matter it, it, it appears so yeah um yeah we'll see i yeah that, that's one of those things like i i haven't seen him um like i could watch his juco tape but that's not gonna that's not gonna be helpful whatsoever so and until i see him competing against other guys on ou's roster other college football players um i i'm not i'm not sure what to make of Ron stokes yet so yeah defensive end lincoln riley mentioned that of all the newcomers in spring ball all the newcomers at Oklahoma, that he's been one of the more impressive players out there. And you mentioned his burst. Riley also mentioned his burst, and he, he said he likes his frame. Stokes is listed at 6'4", 256, so that's a, that's a nice size for a defensive end. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, also, just uh, one more note, talking about defensive linemen. Alex Grinch, when he was talking this past week, he reiterated that he thinks Neville Gallimore has a chance to be an elite defensive lineman, not just in the Big 12, but in the country. So and yeah, and so that 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 kind of when he when he says stuff like this, like he's not mincing words there, like he's being very clear about that, um, which which leads me to believe that he's also being very clear about his thoughts on the defense as well, uh, which concerns me obviously. And just for clarification, Grinch didn't say he's got a chance to be an elite D lineman, not only in the Big Twelve but in the country. He his quote was, "He's got a chance to be an elite defensive lineman in the country." I just wanted to be incredibly clear because I think that's important. Up next, we got some great stuff from Alex Grinch, and also we got some good stuff from Trey Brown. Uh, Grinch actually gave us an update on the starting safeties at the moment, and it's a bit of a surprise, I'd say. We've got that soundbite coming up in a moment, but real quick, I do want to say thanks to the listener who wrote our most recent five-star review on iTunes. This particular listener, Grant, is an OU alumni living in Germany. Did you see that nice review he wrote? I did. Or, That's awesome. Or she. I'm sorry. I did. He or she. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, first of all, thanks for listening and supporting the show. I believe that you're the first international listener that I know of that listens to West of Everest. So if anybody else is out there listening abroad and you want to let us know that you're listening outside the United States, let us know on the West of Everest Facebook page, or you can let us know on Twitter. I'm at Lee Benson News 9. Grant is at Grant Benson 25. And also, of course, the email address is westofeverest at gmail.com. Actually got a really good listener question in the West of Everest email recently. We're going to address the question, though, on the next podcast because we have a ton of stuff to get through today. But uh, the question is defensive related, and it's a fantastic question that I hadn't even thought of yet. And it's simple, yet really good, and it's something that I'm going to have to ask Alex Grinch about, too, next time we get to talk to him. All right, let's move on to the secondary. 
Once again, Grant, another great chat with Alex Grinch this past week. I'm getting, I'm kind of getting the sense that he he kind of enjoys talking shop with with the media guys. You know, I, I just kind of getting the sense of that. Uh, biggest piece of news from Grinch's availability is that Patrick Fields and Delarin Turner Yell seem to be having pretty good springs. And in fact, Grinch said that if Oklahoma had to play a game tomorrow, those two guys would be the starting safeties. Through seven days, um, I remember every bad play they had, and, and but but they, they've been a steady group. Um, I, I think that would be a, a, a real appropriate way to, to say it. You're always fighting to, to find playmakers on every level of your defense, um, and, and certainly they've made their share. And I think, uh, you know, as, as, you, as you go through and, and, and obviously, you know, I, I, that's the specific room that I coach and continue to work with those guys to, you know, if you're, if you're, you're one step away, you know, why? Is it, is it you know, uh, inappropriate footwork? Is it inappropriate eyes? Is it, are we thinking too much? And then some of those things. So there's more plays to be made. But, you know, as, as through seven practices, probably uh, as, a, as, a, as a whole, I, I would suggest that, the, you know, those two guys have been, uh, you know, steady and, and, and guys that we feel that if we play the game tomorrow, we'll be our starting safeties. So the very end there is when he broke the news that they'd be the starting safeties that they play tomorrow, Grant. Uh, two younger players that uh, we know that played a little bit last year, not a whole lot, but uh, clearly they're having good spring. So good on them. What are your thoughts? Very, this is obviously the most positive development of the week. Um, and I think it's, it, it's mostly positively because this is at a position last year that was a revolving door for Oklahoma. Um, and so you have two young guys. These are guys who are still on their first year on campus right now. I think actually, I think Fields was an early enrollee last year, but but they're both, you know, they're going to be just they're going to be true sophomores this upcoming season, and these are two guys who I don't think uh, we penciled in as starters at the end of last season, and you know, this can only be positive. Uh, at the very worst, these guys might be depth pieces, and they're having good springs, and they're and they've been consistent. Um, that's positive. That's very good news. And also, you know, like I said, Delarian Turner Yell, he is my guy. So I, I, I do expect him to start and be amazing because he's my guy. I was going to say, Grant, um, is this is making you feel pretty good, huh? Because you're, you're on the, D, uh, DTY. the DTY, the DTY train from the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, no, I, I, obviously I haven't seen these guys play at all this spring, so I don't know what sort of leap they've made, but it, it's definitely nice to hear that, you know, maybe they they could provide a little bit of stability at that position. And and like you, I mean, Grinch said that you know they're they're still making some bad plays. He said he he remembers every bad play they've had, but he's also said they've been steady. And that is that is uh you know an adjective that certainly cannot be used to describe the the safety group last year for Oklahoma. Anything but. Yeah, and uh, I said earlier that Caleb Kelly mentioned that. Turner Yell has a big hit every practice. So just wanted to reiterate that again. And also, Caleb Kelly said that Patrick Fields is a player that's been out there balling all spring. So it's not just what Grinch is seeing. Apparently, guys like Caleb Kelly, a leader on this team, has also seen Patrick Fields play well so far at safety. So that's not just Grinch saying that. It's at least one other player giving praise to both of those, I guess, starting safeties right now. So Grinch gave us a little insight on who the starting safeties are going to be at the moment. But what about that nickel position? Because Alex Grinch in his base defense, he has a nickel, and he likes to run five defensive backs out there. So I had a chance to ask Grinch who he's been rotating in and out at that spot. Several, um, and, and probably not as many as we, we'd like, quite frankly. 
Uh, we got Buki playing there a little bit, Trey Norwood playing there a little bit, and there's there's some other guys we we like to get in there, but but depth wise we, we can't. It's Robin Peter to pay Paul if we're moving from safety down, or you know we got we got three scholarship corners right now. Um, we got you know today we had three healthy scholarship safeties, you know, and so that that uh, um, that doesn't allow you to kind of move the checkers like you you know sometimes might, but that's that that's part of it and that that spring and. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to, to evaluate the guys. All right, Grant. So Buki and Trey Norwood are rotating in and, and a couple other guys that he didn't mention by name. We know that Buki played nickel last season in Mike Stoops' defense. Uh, Trey Norwood did not. You know, He came in late in the year and was playing safety. I think he, he might have played technically depending on certain, certain personnel. I guess he might have been the nickel here and there. But uh, so those are the two players that they've been rotating in and out. Grant, uh, of the two guys, I mean, I, I know we, we're just all speculating here. I mean, Buki or Trey Norwood at nickel? I mean, there's question marks around both of those guys, right? I mean, I, I, don't, I have no idea, and maybe they don't either right now in the coaching staff, you know, who's going to win that job? I, you know, if, if those are the players going for it, you know, you know Buki had troubles last year with tackling things like that then you got Trey Norwood who's a good cover guy but you know can he come up and play in the box and be kind of like a a linebacker and stop the run I don't know I mean your thoughts on what Grinch said about the nickel rotation I have no idea what they're doing at that (laughs) position at all whatsoever um if I had to guess now I would just say it's probably going to be Norwood just because he was the guy who wasn't benched at the end of last season (laughs) yeah well, that's what's interesting to me is just when these other players get healthy and then the, the true freshmen get in, in the summertime, you know, remember my opening take when I was talking about that? I'll be super interested to see where these guys factor in, if at all, because, you know, me, I said Robert Barnes. I thought he'd be a great spot for nickel, but, you know, who knows? I've kind of cooled on that thought process, mainly because he's been injured. And um, I don't know. I mean, maybe the starting nickel back and, you know, is not even available right now. And, and we don't know, but yeah, we don't know. It, it could be Jeremiah Cradell or something. He could, you know, based off of what we've who they have there right now, would it surprise anyone if a true freshman comes in in the summer and takes that job? No, because I no. mean, who? I mean, we don't. I don't know what they're doing at all. So, at well, you this say point, that like you you just are this football savant and Alex no, Grinch no, is just I, some guy. Like your tone is very. What the heck? Yeah, I know. I just I'm. I'm confused. I, I don't. It's. I, I guess I'm. I'm a little. I'm still confused about the the numbers in the secondary. Um. I, I I know that we've we've gone through the people who are injured, but it's 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 pretty frustrating to be honest think, with you. I just I, I don't. His math. I think his math might have been a little off when it came when it comes to the safeties. I think he had more than three healthy scholarship guys at least out there. I mean, maybe they're not a hundred percent healthy. I don't. Know. I'm just just a. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I, I mean, just, they didn't they didn't graduate a single freaking guy from the secondary <laughs> last year. They return everybody. If yeah. if numbers are a problem right now, that's on the coaching staff. And I and I I understand injuries happen, but injuries always happen in the secondary. And it's it's gotten to the point where it is a it's it's a trend. It's not a it's not just a fluke anymore. So that's why I don't know. I that's I yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's becoming the secondary is bothering you. You're it's, really it's irked be- by the secondary. It's becoming very, very clear that that is a position group that has been badly, badly mismanaged by the coaching staff over the last gee, decade, maybe. Yeah, I'm not going to go that far yet. I'm still standing last five by five years the at least. Okay, I'm still standing by 
we're going to find out this fall if any of these guys are good or if they're not good. And so I'm, they had I'm not going to get to anything in spring. Yeah, they had a they had a good secondary in 2013. That was when Aaron Colvin, who was the last good cover guy that they've had, uh, patrolled the secondary. Was Zach, uh, uh, Zach Sanchez pretty good? Was he after him or before? He was him? okay. Yeah, I, he was he he was a ball hawk. That was his deal. Um, and I think what happened was they sort of fell in love with the Zach Sanchez type. They wanted guys who are smaller, twitchier, faster, and I know. I mean, the uh, Josh McQuistion has, has kind of has, has has had this same thought too as well, um, and Alan Kinney as well over at Blatant Homerism. Um, but yeah, they they kind of went for the Zach Sanchez model. I think they went for small, twitchy, fast guys who could break on balls and pick it off. I, that clearly has not worked. Well, okay, so you're confused about the nickel position, the players that are rotating in and out and getting reps there. You know, remember a while back, maybe even last week, I can't remember, two weeks ago, when I was saying that I'd like to get in there and ask Alex Grinch what kind of player he looks for at nickel. Does he look for a safety? Does he look for a corner? You know, you and I kind of had that debate of, you know, I kind of look at nickels as more of a safety position. You look at it as more as, as a cornerback position. So I got a chance to ask him that question this week. Philosophy with the nickel position. Traditionally, do you look for a, a safe, a safety there, a, a corner there? What, what do you like to, to look at for that position? You know, the, the you know one of the job attributes is in the ability to play man coverage, and so you're talking again that you're, you're right in terms of the positions. It's not a, a junk position. The guy that's not good enough to be a safety becomes the nickel, or a small linebacker becomes the nickel, or your your third best corner becomes the nickel. That's that's. It's one of your best eleven guys on defense is really what you're trying to do. But again, they got to they got to make sure that they do a great job in coverage. But you're closer to the line of scrimmage, so you got to make sure that you hold up in the run game as well. So that that's a it's kind of a hybrid spot. You know, it, it, it takes a unique individual to get that done. Grant, did you learn anything from Alex Grinch's explanation? No, he's saying he wants a guy who can play man coverage and tackle. That's yeah, what everybody wants. <laughs> that's what everyone wants. Um, yeah. So I asked him a follow up there too. Uh, and I'm saying it's par- that's Parnell Motley. It, that's Parnell Motley. Hmm. On the roster. That is that I I think that's the obvious solution to that position right right there. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, I mean, he is a good he's a decent guy in coverage and yeah, I'm he's just not saying, afraid to go up and make tackles. Take, so maybe. From a from a pass coverage standpoint, take everything off his plate, have him stay in front of his man play man coverage, he can do that. He has shown that he can do that. He is also he's also shown that he is that he will go on and take on blockers and he will go low to make tackles. Yeah. If if there's anyone in the secondary trying to make a tackle, I want it to be Parnell Motley. That's an intriguing thought. No, I, and and I was saying a second ago, I asked him a follow up uh, if the players that played nickel when he was at Washington State were more traditional safeties because I look back and it seemed like they were. I just wanted him to correct me if I was wrong. And and what he told me is that he believes that his nickels at Wazoo uh, were we were traditional safeties, but he also said that that didn't really mean anything because they were you know they also recruited cornerbacks that transitioned to safety and then you know vice versa. So he didn't really give me any sort of concrete answers on that. Basically, what he wants is what you were saying. He wants a guy that can cover and come up and play the run game. And he wants to make sure the, the goal is always to get your best 11 guys on the field. So it doesn't if he does have an idea of what he wants, you know, when he's recruiting, if he's looking at cornerbacks in high school as nickels or safeties and nickels, if he does do that, we're not really quite sure because he, he didn't really want to go into detail. So and, you know, at least I know now. Yeah. And, you know, what? it's possible that Jeremiah Cradell or Woody Washington 
are, are guys who kind of fit what he wants more at that position coming in. Um, but of course, if you talk about that, the thing that you're worried about is those are true freshmen coming in and they have like, 20 practices to get ready at that point in time. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I just, I like the idea of putting a guy who has been in the program for five years there, has had some success at Oklahoma, has made some big plays, um, and just have him go in there and play man coverage in the slot. That's something I think Parnell Motley can do. I think if you take stuff off of his plate, um, and just kind of have him focus on playing man coverage on guys that are similar in size to him in the slot. I think that's the perfect position for him. Um, that's just my that's opinion. Intriguing, though. and obviously your thought process behind that would be if they make that transition, then you want to see Buki come and play corner. Ideally, yeah. Or, but or I guess, or I guess Trey Norwood, or Trey Norwood, if, Norwood play corner, or yeah. Trey Nor- or Trey Norwood, if he's better in Grinch's scheme than Buki is. Um, yeah, no, that's that's intriguing. I haven't thought about that. I mean. I, if that if that was going to happen, I think it would have already happened by now. Because and I and I can already hear people saying, "Oh, what about hey, Parnell Motley's small? He can't tackle." And then I just I'm just not having any of that when Buki and Trey Norwood are the guys there right now. Parnell Motley is a much better tackler than both of those guys. So yeah. you know, I I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm confused. I just don't know what they're doing. Is all. Well, we haven't talked a whole lot about the corners today really I don't think we've talked about them at all so let's shift over to that position group and specifically I want to talk about Trey Brown and Grinch I think this is pretty interesting he had a good news bad news assessment of Trey Brown's spring so far I think he's probably like a lot of guys where there's some great clips of film that you get awfully excited and say he's gonna be a high level corner in the big 12 and then there's other clips where you're wondering if he's gonna be a starter in the program and so that, that's gonna be something that we got to get corrected Grant, does this concern you? <laughs> <laughs> Everything Very, does. Uh, <laughs> Everything does, Lee. <laughs> it's, yeah, okay, that's, that's a good point. I, I should have known the answer to that question. I mean, Trey Brown has gotten to the point where he's he's – it's like both extremes. And to be fair, he did give a little context that there's there's multiple players that are kind of like this too. So yeah, it, I don't know if that's good or bad or indifferent – well, it's definitely, of, it's definitely not good. I think yeah. we can say that's not good. Well, the part where he could be an all-Big 12 player, high level, that, that's good. I like hearing that. <laughs> so that's, it's, that's what I say, good news, bad news. Uh, and, you know, one other thing that Grinch said during this discussion about Trey Brown that sirens kind of went off my head and it kind of was a callback to something that we discussed a few weeks ago or back when spring ball began. You remember when we were talking about, man, I wonder what kind of – preparation Alex Grinch and Roy Manning and all the new defensive coaches coming in Brian Odom you know what have they done in the offseason as far as getting familiar with these players do they go back and watch tape of all these games and see all these snaps you know what do they do because we just kind of assume they did that it and we you know we heard from Grinch at the very beginning like it didn't sound like he, he did a whole lot of that and again talking about Trey Brown he made a comment that by design they didn't watch a whole lot of old game snaps on Trey Brown because they just they wanted to have fresh eyes, and everything that you heard Grinch say there a moment ago in that 12-second soundbite was based off of what he's seen in practice so far. It's nothing to do with anything he's seen on tape from last year, and I don't know if – I mean, obviously Grinch has moved around. He's been at multiple places, so this is probably what he does every place he goes, but I'm just kind of surprised that there wasn't a situation where you go back and sit down and you watch a bunch of film all the guys you have coming back. It sounds like they kind of came in with fresh eyes and didn't – really care to look back at a whole lot of stuff from the past so not a huge fan of that if that's the case but i mean that's that's speculation though 
I don't. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe he, they have. They, they just prefer to say publicly say now nah, we're just based off of spring to be kind of be fair to the guys. So, just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, you mentioned Woody Washington, uh, Jaden Davis, two players that are in the 2019 class do win over the summer. Cornerbacks, you know, only three scholarship corners right now. I, when those guys get on campus, Grant, I mean, they're going to immediately have a chance to to win a spot and play right away somewhere. Do you agree or disagree? Agree. You, I mean, you you don't have the 129th best pass defense in the country, and yeah, if if you step in as a freshman, following that, you absolutely have a chance to play. Mm-hmm. All right, so more on Trey Brown, and Brown had a lot of great things to say when we talked to him this past week, and I noticed him using the word physical a decent amount when he was describing spring practice and and everything that went into spring ball. So I just wanted to ask him what he means about being physical as a cornerback. You know, being physical as, as a corner, you know, people probably think of getting your hands on the receiver, kind of rerouting them, things like that, coming up, making tackles. For you, being physical, what does that mean? Is, is it all those things and more, or can you describe kind of what being physical means to you as a corner? All those things and more, and uh, actually just uh, going to attack first. You know, don't let them come to you. You got to go bring bring that to them, you know, uh, and that's that, that involves being physical, being in their face, all this other stuff, and uh, getting the uh, the opponent frustrated at you. So uh, we don't want to hide from nothing. We want to go bring, the, bring it to them. So there's Trey Brown. Grant, what stands out to you about that soundbite? Anything? Well, obviously the, the attack part. You want to attack them before they're able to attack you. Um and yeah, I mean, we'll we'll beat the drum over and over again, but we've been, you know, that's what I've been saying for the last two years, how I want them to play defense. So, you know, obviously I like hearing that, but I mean, geez, it's man, all if, talk right now. Yeah. If the yeah. players aren't any good, how are we? I mean, not going <laughs> to come on. We're... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like him saying being up in their face a lot and getting the opponent frustrated because, you know, wouldn't it be great if opposing wide receivers were a bit uneasy and frustrated going up against Oklahoma's corners as opposed to the other way around like we've seen seemingly the past few years? That'd yeah, it would be awesome cool. because I, I got to tell you, OU's cornerbacks lately have, make it just very easy on wide receivers. <laughs> yeah. When you give wide receivers space, they like that. I mean, I like this, is, this, is, this is basic stuff. Like, I, and I mean, and Alex Grinch has talked about how a big part of playing defense is taking away that space. Making it difficult on the offense. So when you do things mm-hmm. as a defense that make the offense happy, that's probably a sign that you're not playing the best defense. So Trey Brown said that he knew things were changing around around Oklahoma when Alex Grinch installed punishments for not doing things correctly and just. I mean, little things. I mean, basically what they're supposed to do, they'd get punished. And the punishment that he said is they got to be up at 5 a.m. in the sand pit. And nobody wants to get up early and, and do that just because they, they messed up. So that's a pretty big incentive to to not screw up. Ugh. And I told uh, Brett, who's a fan of the podcast who I work with, and because he used to, he walked on and played at OU for a bit. And I asked him, hey, is that a sand pit? Is that a thing that you guys had to do? Is that? And he said, no, that i love that i love hearing about that <laughs> about how that's like a possible punishment so maybe that's new um i was gonna say that's that sounds 5 a.m in the sound pit that's a good way to start your day the sand pit what did i say the sound pit did i say sound like, oh man I, that's what unless yeah you know yeah and i don't think they're going to be in the sand pit tanning <laughs> the, tanning and playing sound, volleyball what, what do you think the sound pit would uh 
would look like <laughs> as, as a form of punishment. Uh, just whatever your least favorite music is, just playing at the loudest. Just blaring. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, no, I was going to say, yeah, the, the sand pit at 5 a.m. Being up at 5 a.m., that's, that's, that's a good way to start your day. It's uh-huh. a good way to to accomplish something to start your day. I think no, this is a good. Why why are we? This this doesn't sound like punishment to me. This sounds like a good way to to right. mold to mold good young men. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got you got a point there. I think uh, those in the armed forces would probably agree with you. Those who go through basic training and the like, I'm sure it's very similar to that, and probably a lot worse. But uh, then again, I yeah. I also remember how, jeez, uh, when I was like when I was in college, I. Had, Whenever I had the opportunity, I like to sleep till like noon. So <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that's I, what college kids are want to do. I think that's what the punishment is. <laughs> yeah, not only do you have to be up by five a.m. or actually earlier, you have to be in the sand pit doing whatever the heck they do there. Uh, all right, so we got more from Trey Brown, and I wanted to get a defensive back's perspective on this philosophy from Alex Grinch of taking the football away every single snap, and we found out that Oklahoma. The defense for OU has a pretty sweet you know, way to incentivize the players into forcing turnovers. When you talk about how you bring in the fight to the offense, making them uncomfortable, when you have a defensive coordinator that comes in and says the number one thing is to get the ball from the offense, how does that make you feel as a defensive back? Uh, makes me feel pretty good, you know, because uh, we all want to show them that uh, we can get the ball back. And so when he calls out those... Um, when he calls out those t- turnovers the next day of practice and he has those candy bars, you know, everybody wants candy bars. So, uh, you know, everybody's going to want to uh, get a turnover. So uh, when he uh, has those candy bars, everybody's ready for it. First of all, what type of candy bars? <clears throat> oh, it's, I'm talking about uh, king size, everything, whatever you want. I'm talking about Reese's, uh, Kit Kats, all of that. So uh, it's, it's really exciting, you know. Uh, we have a lot to challenge, uh, to, to um, look forward to. Yeah, who says this is a negative week, Grant? That's a good. That's that's a fun soundbite. Let me tell. So this is this is a weird thing. I was not, you know, growing up as a kid, I didn't have a massive sweet tooth. I didn't really eat a ton of candy, and I think a lot of that actually had to do as be, with because I I ate a, or I drank a lot of like pop and stuff like that. So I that's kind of how I got my uh, quenched my sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. But sort of later on in life, when I became an adult and I started watching, you know, I started watching more what I ate and what I put in my body. I started to eat a lot more healthy. I started to develop a sweet tooth, like a big one, and mostly for just straight up candy. And Lee, I love candy. And so <laughs> I, I totally understand what Trey Brown is saying here. And yes, I, if, if that was an incentive for me to perform well on the field, a big freaking candy bar, I'd be pumped. I'd be so pumped. Do you have any idea how delicious Kit Kats are? They're yeah, insane. They they are they are delicious. Yeah, sources say. What uh how so, how how many how many hardcore like OU fans after hearing that are like, geez, man, can't be giving these kids candy. They're they'll get fat. It's I, bad I know, for I them. Know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, and that's what the five AM sand pits are for. Uh so just for the record, uh, we asked Brown who's, or I was able to ask Brown who's earned the most candy bars this spring. He said Trey Norwood. He's forced the most turnovers. I think he said four. He's had four interceptions or four. He's forced four takeaways. So good on Norwood. And he uh, does share because apparently Norwood, he said that Norwood sometimes doesn't want the candy. He gives it away. So apparently Norwood's very, very health minded. It looks like it. Health conscious. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's putting more muscle on. He's trying to get bigger. But yeah, he's, uh, he came in a little small. Uh, Grant, what candy bar would you want if you forced a turnover in practice? 
probably a Snickers, to be totally honest with you. You know, the the the, the creme de la creme. I think that's the that's definitely the. That's smart because it also gives you a good energy because it's got yeah, a lot of, of energy like, there. You know, the nuts and the chocolate and the caramel and or caramel. But really, I mean, there. I mean, there's some really underrated candy bars out there. It depends. Like if um, if they had take five bars out there, that yeah. would be a game changer. Those things are un- unbelievably good. Um. Oh, what, I'm a lot. Milky Ways are wonderful. So are Three Musketeers. It's all great, baby. Just no, uh, <laughs> none of that like mounds or anything like that. That stuff's terrible. That's garbage. Anything but hey, yeah, coconut, every, get it out of here. Yeah, everyone. I actually, I actually really like coconut flavor, just not uh, on my candy. Uh, Brown did say that it's, it's whatever they want. So I mean, if they want it, they'll get it. So it's not just like whatever they have out there. It's I suppose they get a turnover and they tell the coaches or whatever what they want. And then the next day or whatever, they, they bring them to meetings or something. They get it. So it would be, it would be take fives for me. 100%. That's all I would want. Those are right, amazing for, for me. It'd be Reese's always Reese's never go wrong with that. But Snickers is good too, because I think Snickers, it makes you look like you're more into, into, you know, getting the energy and getting back at practice and trick. Cause Reese's is more just like, eh, you know, peanut butter, Gets you some energy, you know. It's a decent amount of protein. Good stuff. Just random other tidbits on the candy. Trey Brown said that uh, you know, Carrie Murdoch from Sooner Scoop asked him, "What's the, you know candy that you really like, but everybody else seems to hate?" And Trey Brown says that he really likes hot tamales, <laughs> which I think are awful. So, yeah, I think All hot right. tamales are pretty polarizing. Yeah, so he said, yeah, that's the one. But then uh, he, he says that he used to love Nestle Crunch Bars when he was a kid. He used to eat them all the time, but now he hates Nestle Crunch Bars. Objectively, which, by far, the worst candy bar. That's Objectively. wrong. I, okay, here's, here, here's a hot tip for Nestle Crunch Bar haters. First of all, do you like chocolate? I mean, if you like chocolate, they're great. But of course, you do. but you exactly. It, so you, why, why wouldn't I just buy a Hershey's bar? Because the Nestle Crunch gives you a little extra crunch, obviously. But the, and what, yeah, but what the you crunch do doesn't, is crunch doesn't crunch, do much for me. Hershey's chocolate's kind of—I mean, like a whole Hershey's chocolate bar is almost too much. You need like the small little like kind of nug, nibble nugget ones. But here's here's the the a hot tip for you: Nestle Crunch bar, put it in the microwave for like 15, 20 seconds, and then eat it with a spoon. Yeah, yeah. that's that's not going to work out for me. I'm I'm more of a cold candy bar person. Sounds super weird, but it it makes the chocolate pop. More flavorful. Certainly, certainly more of a candy bar out of the freezer type person than I would be. A, I don't really That's like, I like to eat my Reese's. I don't really the, like uh, melty things unless it's unless it's oh, like okay. cheese. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, that's enough candy talk for now. Even though that was probably the the highlight of the podcast so far. We got one more sound bite from Trey Brown. I think this is his best bite, and I think you're going to think it's his best bite too. I saved it for last for a reason. He was talking about how he's noticed his technique has been improving and that the other cornerbacks are getting better in practice because of Roy Manning. And this season, Oklahoma has a cornerbacks coach in Roy Manning and also a safeties coach, which is Alex Grinch. So I wanted to see what Brown would say about the added emphasis on coaching defensive backs after, well, we know last year the pass defense was just so horribly bad. And as a group, I know... You know, last year against the pass, it was not great. I mean, is it is it good to know though that there's been that extra instruction and, and added coaches to that defensive backfield this year moving yeah. forward? You know, um, we don't want to be we don't want to be 129 this year. We want to be top top 10. You know, number one if you want to be honest. So for them to uh, coach that and ingrain that in our heads that hey, you know, hey, every practice if we have a bad practice, he lets us know we're looking like 129. So. Uh, we don't want to go down that road anymore. Better number that you guys hear quite a bit. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, we we hear it every day. So um, you know that that 
it's the past, and uh, you see, if we was a little bit better, we probably would have a national championship right now, you know. So um, we're just going to try to focus on that and be better. Uh, that uh, you heard Eddie Radosovich, by the way, asking that follow-up question, which was good uh, from Sooner Scoop. But Grant, I gotta say, I like the idea of Alex Grinch yelling 129 at the secondary players when they look like crap in practice. What about you? Yeah, I do too. Uh, make them remember that. That should be embarrassing for them. And and I don't I don't mean it as like a as like a mean thing. Like you guys are terrible. Like take your medicine type thing. Um, I I mean it as like a as a motivational tool. They know that they're not. It was it was kind of kind of refreshing, certainly, to hear Trey Brown say that if they were a little bit better on defense, they'd have a national title. I think that's a little, it's a tad hyperbolic. They they didn't need to be a tad better on defense. They needed to be significantly better on defense. They needed to have a top thirty defense to win a national title. Um, you think so? Yeah, they did. Uh, people are forgetting because of because they got beat down in the national title. But Alabama was arguably one of the best teams of all time. <laughs> last season so yeah i mean um, <laughs> a, 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 i'd say i'd say they needed like a top 50 defense top 50 i mean they they stopped alabama what twice in that game yes they forced two punts yeah i mean twice that's it i mean a top 50 defense they probably stop them at least double that maybe even five times maybe but that's it also it. sure but it also changes the entire makeup of the game if OU goes into <laughs> well, that I, game i know it just with the 30th ranked defense that changes alabama's game plan completely Mm, yeah that's an interesting point yeah all right well that was the best soundbite i think i heard all week and and trey brown was really good yeah and i i only bring that up just because people like people do forget that that 2015 team that played in the playoff that was a top 20 defense in the country and they got freaking ran over by clemson they looked completely they looked awful on defense against clemson in the, so, second I mean, half. It was, in the second half, it, they did not look good in the first half. Because the either. offense, the offense couldn't do anything. That's the, the, the defense, offense. the defense was getting gashed in the first half of that game. Also, Clemson turned it over, and uh, Deshaun Watson threw a pick in the in, in the end zone at the end of that mm-hmm. half, making it look a lot better than it really was. The defense got ran over in that game. All right, a lot of the defense today. That's all we have on that side of the football. Let's go over to the offense now. And Lincoln Riley said that the quarterbacks took care of the football in the scrimmage back on Monday. He said that there were some explosive plays, and overall, that group took a step. So really, not really a whole lot to take from that. But um, Grant, I think that, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, at some point, maybe it was last week when Jalen Hurts talked and, and, you know, for the first time, were you curious about you know Riley what he thinks of Jalen Hurts as a runner or was it was it more you wanted to hear what Hurts had to say about kind of running or using his legs in the Big 12 what what were you kind of wondering about when it came to his legs um yo yeah it was it it was definitely uh to go along with Jalen Hurts I I wanted someone to ask Jalen Hurts how he feels um or what he thinks about going up against Big 12 defenses just in general oh okay because let's like yeah I, I I mean let's let's not mince words like I I don't buy into this whole SEC is overrated stuff for the most part SEC's defenses are a lot better than the Big 12's defenses it's not debatable so he is going to materially be going up against much worse defenses this season than he faced last year largely speaking okay well unfortunately I don't have that soundbite from Jalen Hurts but what I do have is a soundbite from Lincoln Riley and that's okay too because, okay, because, you know, all we've heard about, you know, we talked to Riley about Hertz is, you know, 
his throwing ability. And Riley said that he saw the film and, and Hertz did all the things that he wanted to see on tape of him. And every time you ask, it's about Hertz. Can he throw it correctly and be good enough? Because we know at Alabama, he wasn't Baker Mayfield or he wasn't Kyler Murray when it came to completing passes. I mean, he's what a career like 60 ish percent completion percentage guy, 61, 62, something like that, which is, it's not terrible, but college football, it's, it's kind of like right at the, the edge of acceptable. So anyways, I wanted to ask it's, Riley. It's, it's okay, a lot no. easier to accept that when, you know, he also ran for like a thousand yards in both seasons. He was the yes. starter. that 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 counts, too. So I asked Riley just about what he sees and hurts and his ability to run the football. And this is what Riley said. Yeah, I mean, we, we always want our quarterbacks to be athletes. I mean, no question about it. We're not going to recruit just pocket guys. I mean, that's just that's not us. But he's there's no doubt he's he's very athletic. Um you see the times when he does take off that he's going to be a threat. And, you know, not only is he athletic, but he's maybe different than some of the other guys that we've had. He's going to be pretty difficult to tackle, too, I think. Grant, I think the key part of that was the very end because, well, first of all, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, because you've mentioned, I mean, I think you've mentioned, and I agree with you, that he's very similar when it comes to size and running the ball. He kind of looks like Sam Ellinger out there where he is able to shed tacklers and he's, he's tough to bring down. And that's going to be something that's significant playing these Big 12 defenses that he was able to get away from SEC defensive players too. And now he's going to be going up against Big 12 teams that are maybe are a little smaller, yeah. a little more fast. I was listening, so yeah. um, Lee, I was listening to the, uh, the AP Top 25 college football podcast today. That's with Ralph Russo. But he had George Schrader of USA Today on. and they, Schroeder. Uh, Schro- is it Schroeder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes I, he, on the our uh, Sunday sports show, The Blitz. Oh, okay, every once cool. On, on News Nine. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Well, they had him. Um, they were talking to him, and the the first topic of the day was about Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. Um, and he had made the comment that he's talked to some like SEC coaches who have told him that you know in the two years that he was the, the starting quarterback at Alabama, he was also the best running back in the SEC. <laughs> oh wow. So, yeah, and that and that's just what that's what some coaches have told Schroeder. I mean, that, of course it sounds very hyperbolic and, and was he actually, you know, better than the, the best running back in the sec? Of course not, but <laughs> it, you know, it, it, it says a lot about his running ability. The guy can run. I, I, I'm really excited about this guy in third and short. That's where I think he's going to be the most dangerous, yeah. ju- just like Sam Ellinger. Yeah, that's a good point too. Especially having, whenever you have all the other options too. Yep, Having that in your back pocket as basically just a, as an automatic first down on third and short is really really valuable yeah that's a really good point i haven't i mean i hadn't thought about that that was probably one of those things where you know i i wouldn't have thought a whole lot of and then the game would, would happen and then you'd see it he'd him convert a couple times and you kind of sit back and be like oh yeah that's pretty neat but you're already identifying it five and months away and that is absolutely that that is a huge chunk of ellinger's value is how good he is on third and short um, mm-hmm. and, and I think Jalen Hurts can be something very similar to that. Um, I mean, it, this is especially in the Big 12 when Oklahoma up front is going to be a lot bigger than everyone they play except for Texas. Um, and having a guy that you can just sort of fall forward and get a first down every time on third and fourth and short is going to be so valuable. I, I don't even know how to explain it at this point in time. And, and don't think because OU graduated four offensive linemen, they're not going to roll out maybe the biggest offensive line in college football because they are those guys are gonna be really big up front 
Wow, that's a fantastic transition to our next soundbite, Grant. And it's going to be from Caleb Kelly. I know he's a defensive player, but this soundbite is going to be about the offensive line because I thought Kelly, he actually had some really interesting things to say about that young and experienced line. Yeah, obviously, he's he was going up against these guys all spring up until recently when he was injured. So, I mean, you'd think that his his take on everything being on the field with all these players is relevant. So think about all those talented guys that you mentioned that Bill Biedenbo has produced up to this point. And now listen to what Caleb Kelly says here about the current players on the team. Their size is one thing that really stands out. Those guys, if they get their hands on you, they're really hard to get off and pass guys too. But these guys, are, they're just a little bit bigger. And so, yeah, they're definitely getting better. They're still young, you could tell, but that's just in how hard they go. They want to kill you every single play and sometimes it'll get them out of position. But when they're, they get their hands on you, they are going to – their intent is to hurt you, and that really does display. Like, like going against our guys, I enjoy it because I know we're not going to see a more physical alignment. But when you say settling in, I feel like they have – it's already set with what Coach B has done. I mean, and the guys before them, we got guys who are going to go first through third rounds, like four of them. And so um, I just think they already have the standard set for them. And so – they're going to be amazing just as it is. All right. A lot there, about 50 seconds from Caleb Kelly. What was your favorite part of that quote? Um, Let's see here. You wrote it down here, so it's like I'm going through. There was a lot there I liked quite a bit. I like the parts that are incredibly violent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's what you – I. you know, you want meanness out of your offensive line. And they want to kill you every single play. Yep. Their intent and is to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and that's that's kind of the be- like the one thing that OU's offensive line has certainly not been missing the last three seasons is is just is meanness. Those guys are mean up front. Mm-hmm. If you talk about Orlando Brown and uh, Cody Ford. Uh, ben Powers is a mean sob, and Drew Samia. We've seen him get fired up, uh, and we know about Creed Humphrey. And so, I mean, so, yeah, maybe maybe the meanest guy this year is not even out there, right? Yeah, right exactly. Now. So I'm and I. I'm excited to watch this new offensive line, and and I think I think people need to be a little uh, tempered with what they're going to see from the offensive line, especially early in the season. There's going to be some growing pains. There are there always are, but I'm real excited about some of the guys they have there, especially Marquise Hayes. I I'm so excited to watch him play full time. I, I think he he's a guy. He he might be the next great offensive lineman at OU. The guy's just a freak of an athlete. Go go look at the video of him dunking. The guy is like 6'5", 350, and he can dunk. Insane. <laughs> so, let's see. Any other thing else on the offensive line? I mean, we could talk about – I know the centers, they've been they've been rotating in some walk-on centers recently. Uh, I hesitate on this because I, I know one of them is Ian McIver, and I'm trying to remember the other – Clayton Woods? Yes, yes. So that's what we noticed on Monday, the 15 minutes that we got a chance to, to watch. I was making sure to shoot video of the offensive line groups, and it looked like it was two different groups going in and out when they were running plays and things like that. And those two players were the two centers. And, you know, I forgot to write down both groups. So that's on me. I was going to look at each group and write down who they were, and I totally forgot. I was too busy trying to get all this sound. So uh, maybe next podcast uh, – Sure. Yeah, can I, I can I kind of step in here because I have read some stuff that that has been public information. Okay. So I, so I do know um, that I'm pretty sure right now at left tackle they have Eric Swinson is the left tackle. I think they still have Bray Walker at left guard. Um, 
so I, I know they're trying Bray Walker at guard. I know they still have Hayes and uh, and um, trying to think Tyrese Robinson at guard as well. And I think Tyrese Robinson's been playing some center. Um, and then Adrian Ely. I think I saw a note saying that he's been he has been like the only one who hasn't moved around. He's been sort of anchored at right tackle. Um, so yeah, I just I wanted to get you know the. Those, uh, you know, since I saw it with my own eyes, I thought that'd be interesting. I just forgot to yeah. put it. So I'll, and so I'll I, put that I, for next I do want to go out there now. I, you know, I think there's been a lot of questions about uh, about Bray Walker, especially moving to guard. I don't think he's going to play guard. I, I, I still think he's the starting left tackle on on August 31st when they play. So I, I still think from left to right, the offensive line is going to be Bray Walker, Marquise Hayes, Creed Humphrey. Uh, Tyrese Robinson and Adrian Ely. All right, we're holding you to it. Write you it down. To, you have to mark that in. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not going to make any predictions. I don't. And know. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising if if Swenson, you know, gets in there. I mean, this is his fourth year in the program. It wouldn't surprise me if he if if he beats out Bray Walker or something like that. But um, I'm I'm just kind of going with the 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 obvious talent and and physical makeup of Bray Walker, which is undeniably impressive if you just look at him. The last thing on the offensive line is just, you know, would we be freaking out right now about this whole situation if Bill Biedenboe and Lincoln Riley weren't involved with this team? I, th- I we would be more concerned about it, yes. But I mean, they, yeah, I mean, oh, they have lots of talent. It's just, you know, they were supposed to have lots of talent in the secondary the last couple of years, and that hasn't. I just, out I, you know, we hoped it would. You know, by so. far the worst offensive line they've had in the last four seasons. They went to the college football playoff. You know, so I just. It doesn't really worry me that much. I, I think they're going to be able to work around it, and I think, you know, at the very worst, they're going to round in the into form into a very good unit by the second half of the season. That's what we've seen the last two years. Yeah, and, and I think that's what what we're going to see probably in the first half is some really uneven performances. We're going to see some busts. We're going to see some probably stuffs at the line of scrimmage, and we're probably going to see some some plays where they are overwhelmingly dominant. Um, and it's going to be that consistency that they develop over the course of the season. But I, I'm just—I I think, uh, you know, one through five, this this group probably, you know, might be more physically gifted than the other guys. But uh, we'll have to see until they're actually on the field to to make the full determination. But offensive line, not—I'm not incredibly concerned about it. More more excited to watch those guys play. I think they're going to be—that's going to be a really good group. I think. One other offensive note, or uh, more than that, just before we get to some more sound bites, we got some Lincoln Riley sound to play. Just want to mention Jaden Hazelwood on Monday was in a boot, but he's fine. Lincoln Riley addressed it on Wednesday. He said he's already out of the boot. He had a little ankle thing, and he was expecting Hazelwood to be back out there in a couple days. So by the time you hear this podcast, Hazelwood might already be back at practice fine. So in, and he's, he's one of those five-star early enrollee wide receivers. Uh, so that's good news on the Jaden Hazelwood front, Grant. And uh, we're hearing some more updates. Every update we get from these wide receivers are, is positive. Trey Brown saying that all these wide receivers living up to the hype, and specifically he's really impressed by their jump balls when they're able to get up, get up high and, and take balls away. And he would know as a corner, probably going one-on-one a lot against these guys here in the early going. So anything on the, these five-star wide receivers or Hazelwood? You know, I don't. I don't think we're breaking any news here, but I. I think the offense and the receivers are going to be good this upcoming year. You know, I, thanks. Thank you. I'm not too. I'm not too concerned about it. Um, yeah, I, I. I think we'll. 
I think these guys, all three of these guys, are going to play. I don't know how much they're going to they're going to contribute, but they're you know they're they're going to have their opportunities. I'm I just like everyone else. I'm excited to, to watch them go out there, and and that is I'm glad that that Motley said that because yeah, I when I picture them having success, it, did I say? Oh, did I, okay. Sorry, I said yeah. Motley. No, you're good. Um, you're good. When I heard when I heard Trey Brown say that, yeah, I mean when I when I picture these guys having success in my mind, it usually is them going up and just like you know. Um, just going up and getting the jump balls. What's what's the term? Uh, mossing people. I don't know why it took <laughs> yeah. me so long to. But yeah, typically that's that that's what I'm daydreaming about. Is all three of these guys just mossing people left and right? While we're talking about wide receivers, I will say that Trey Brown was asked about uh, him being one of the faster guys on the team, and and he said that he thinks that Rambo is maybe the fastest guy on the team. Charleston Rambo. So didn't know he was a a burner. Uh, didn't know. I mean, didn't think it was slow, but that was interesting. And well, he he burned two NFL draft picks in the Orange yeah. Bowl for a touchdown. Yeah, no, he looked fast on that play. Uh, and, and Trey was Trey Brown was kind of kind of laughing. He he took a little bit of umbrage with the conversation last year on the fastest guy. And I couldn't quite make out what he said. He said he should have been in the conversation last year with the fastest player along with Kyler. And I could I think he says Kyler and Jay. Like he didn't say Kyler and Marquise or Kyler and Hollywood. He's and I think maybe he was talking about Jaquel and Crawford, maybe, maybe Jaquel. But he's I could obviously I don't have the soundbite for you to play, so you you can't hear it. Interesting. But maybe it sounded like he said like along with Kyler and Jay is what I heard. Okay. So. Well, I was gonna say maybe it was maybe he was maybe you heard it wrong and he said Jeff as in like Jeff Bidette. Well, I mean, but, but like that was on the team ago. last year. Yeah, I know, but you know, maybe he. No, he didn't say Jeff. I know he didn't say Jeff. Okay. And so anyway, I just I thought. Jaqueline Crawford, maybe. I know that's I know he's a that's what Jaqueline Crawford. Yeah, that's supposed to be his bit. Is how fast he is. His bit. <laughs> I like that. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. But yeah, look for Charleston Rambo to be uh, a bit of a burner, and maybe Jaqueline Crawford too. We'll see if he does anything. Yeah, like I said, I think the wide receiver group is probably going to be good this upcoming season. Probably. Yeah. How about the H back competition, Grant? Seems like it's going pretty well. Lincoln Riley. Pretty pumped up about Braden Willis and Jeremiah Hall, and I gotta say, I'm too. Same link. That position right now, I would say, with those two guys, is probably. I mean, the depth is probably gonna be as good as we've had it, you know. And having two guys that we really trust there, you know, and that's that's a heck of a battle right there. I mean, watching watching Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis go at it, and uh, so uh, we're excited to use those guys. They're both very very versatile. A uh, little bit different skill sets than what we've had, than what we've had, and uh, we've always enjoyed having a chance to use those. So, um, yeah, we're really, really excited about the future of that position. You know, that's that's been a big part of us, and I think it'll continue to be. Got a chance to talk to Braden Willis a little bit this past week. He said that when he's playing H back now, obviously transitioned to that from tight end. Uh, he's got to know. Uh, part of his job is he's got to know what everybody else is doing. So, uh, and I kind of stopped short of this, but from what I can gather, it would seem that. You know, obviously, quarterback, they got to know everything. Center's got to know a bunch of stuff going on. But outside of the quarterback and the center, I, I would bet that the H-back is the, is the position on the, this Oklahoma offense where you have to – you got to know what everybody else in this field is doing. And I think that's pretty interesting. And, and I asked him if he takes a lot of pride in that. And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely, because we know that if we got to switch positions or go somewhere else, that we'll be good. We'll be comfortable. So he's, uh, he's fitting into that position very nicely, and we haven't had a chance, as far as I know, to talk to Jeremiah Hall yet, but uh, uh, both of those guys, pretty excited about this position group. Yeah, Lee, and I think that's a position, H-back, that in this sort of new era of football, it's gonna be, that's, that position is going to be a big deal. 
Like, so that, that position will come to the NFL. Um, so I just, uh, another angle of it. I, I, this is, this is good for both of these guys, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, Braden Willis, he seems to be an athletic freak. I think Jeremiah Hall is pretty athletic. Dimitri Flowers, we love him. He was awesome. You wouldn't, he, he's, he wasn't an athletic freak though. And neither was Carson Meyer. I mean, Carson Meyer was very good as well. I think Willis and Hall though, talent wise, might be like a small step above them and it makes me kind of wonder if if Riley's if they're going to be so even that Riley plays these guys quite a bit or if one of the players beats the other guy out and plays more but it sounds like you know he's incredibly excited about, I, I mean about I these would two players I would say that Dimitri Flowers is demonstrably more talented than Jeremiah Hall has shown at all Dimitri Flowers was a oh, skill yeah. Yeah, was a skilled point. receiver like he was you know, we I, I think we we mostly remember, you know, his catches from his final season and him breaking away from defenders and showing off kind of his surprising speed. Um, but early on in his career, I mean, he made contested catches, catches over multiple guys going up and getting balls um, and go back and just kind of watch his highlights. He was Demetri Flowers is a skilled receiver. He was he was very good at that position. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I, that I apologize to Demetri well, Flowers. I mean, he, don't he apologize. He was certainly I, Jeremiah Hall hasn't done enough for. That that's not necessarily that's not what I meant by that. Yeah, um, I guess I meant more of like a, a duo because Flowers didn't really have that second guy. I suppose Carson Meyer was there, but Flowers played the entire time. But, anyways, but yeah, yeah, it's well, yeah, and but and you know what? And and the limited action we actually have seen of Jeremiah Hall, he seems like he's been perfectly serviceable. Just like you know, for a couple years before he was the main guy, Carson Meyer seemed serviceable whenever he was in there. Um, yeah. and then he got his opportunity his senior year, and he had a really nice season. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, I'm really excited about Braden Willis. Of course, I haven't made any sort of bones about that on this podcast. I'm really excited about the guy. Um, I, I envision, you know, his role in the offense being very similar to that of a guy like Irv Smith in Alabama's offense this past season, who, who kind of played tight end and H back kind of 50, 50 like that. And I think, you know, turned out to be a really important weapon for Alabama. Yeah. That dude's real good. Um, well, Grant, any other offensive things you want to talk about before we finish this podcast up? Talking a little special teams. How? Wait, so you didn't, not once in here, did you put anything about the perceived quarterback battle going on? No, no, I did not. Interesting. No. Okay. You don't even want to touch on that at all? You, you don't even want to give me five minutes so I can talk about how stupid it is? <laughs> I think you're doing that right now. No, I, what, I, I don't I mean, wa- can't. Can we talk about the quarterbacks real quick? Oh, it's, oh, you're being serious. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. we might as well. Well, why not? Why don't we talk about the quarterbacks? That's been I just because it's it's in a week full of a bunch of other stuff. It just didn't seem interesting to me until but, uh, until we started talking yeah. about injuries and and everything. The fact that the the whole like the kind of the, the sort of shadow news or whatever that. Uh, that this might actually be a quarterback battle. That was like the big story of the week until we started talking about injuries and According other stuff. According to who I or whom I haven't, I clearly have not been apprised of these publications who are talking about a quarterback battle. I, I think we're all kind of on. Well, I shouldn't say that. I I don't know. I I, I may be spending too much time on Twitter. I suppose. I I don't know. Maybe I just have after last year, and I mean I I. I, again, I'll, I mean, I was clearly too far with Austin Kendall. I mean, I literally named one of these episodes that he could win the job, and that was that proved to be foolish. 
granted, I think I've said this before, and this isn't that crazy. I mean, I think the the gap between Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall is probably a lot bigger than the gap between Jalen Hurts and Tanner Mordecai. But uh, I just I'm not going to entertain this. Sure. I don't think this okay. year. And so, basically, if you'd the, like to go for it. Well, I'm not. I'm, I'm just going to. I'm going to talk no about offense it. No to Tanner in, Mordecai. Yeah. but he. He had plenty of opportunities to talk about himself the other day when he was dressing the media, and he did everything team-wise. And um, he's all about the team. And you know, if he gets if he beats him out, then that'll be a shock to to us all. I think. Okay. More power. Okay, so to him. well, so for people in the dark, here's the deal. Earlier this week, um, kind of all at once, um, people started uh, the usual insiders for OU. Everybody knows them. Um, they all came out and basically started saying, hey, this is a competition. Tanner Mordecai is really, really impressing. This guy's really good. They all said it at the same time, which means they probably all talked to the same person. But I want to, so I, I'm not entertaining the fact that there's a quarterback battle. There is not. Jalen Hurts is going to be the starting quarterback unless there is an injury. Let's, we're going to say that right now. I will not entertain any of the stuff that they're going to be saying during the summer um, because it's going to be the exact same deal with, that, they, that we just went through with Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall. Jalen Hurts is starting quarterback. Um, what I am willing to believe, though, is that Tanner Mordecai is good. I'm 100% willing to believe that and that he might be a really good player. And so I just want to talk about what is, you know, let's say that Tanner Mordecai is like a stud and a guy who, if Jalen Hurts wasn't here, you know, would be a, a good choice for Oklahoma this season. How does that change the outlook of the season in your mind or the offense or does that... Does it matter to you at all that the Sooners could have like a stud backup quarterback or because it's it's most interesting to me because I think if this is all true, um, I think Tanner Mordecai would be should be, you know, the favorite going into next season at the very least. But I don't know. I, I obviously we don't have a lot to go on. It's all hearsay. Um, but yeah, I can believe that he's good and he's playing well in practice in spring i mean he knows the offense better than hurts does he was here last year he had a couple snaps and you know late in garbage time and he didn't embarrass himself or anything like that he looked fine so yeah i i'll certainly believe that but yeah i'm gonna be with you i mean jalen hurts is the starter it'd be a huge upset if not but <laughs> you know smash cut to a week and a half or a week from now depending on when you listen to this podcast and watch mordecai look better in the spring game than hurts and then i'll start to rethink my position because again i thought kendall and both i thought both kendall and murray didn't play very well in the spring game last year but i thought kendall was not as bad i thought murray was very off and but i mean the big part of that was because the weather was bad and the wind was terrible so that's i, that, I again i will st that spring game was a big reason why i thought the way i thought about austin kendall and and that whole I'm using air quotes right now, competition. So we'll see what the spring game brings us, I suppose. I And if it's a pretty close competition there and, and both guys look really good, then I, you know maybe we could talk a little bit about it. Hot but, take, uh, the spring game's not going to show us anything because the spring game's going to be hot garbage. They're probably going to run like four plays total. Not going to show anything on defense. <laughs> and and that's not a crazy prediction. They're they're struggling with injuries. They're, it's going to be a... I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a protracted game of some sort. It felt like it last year. Yeah, but it will be a game, and hopefully the weather. Actually, I can probably look at the weather forecast after this. I'm gonna look at the weather forecast and see if it's any better uh, than it was last year at this time. I can look now because last year it was so bad. I know it's we're probably sounding annoying, complaining about the weather from a year ago, but 
That was so dumb. It was way colder than it should have been. The wind was blowing way harder than anyways. So yeah, that's all I have on the quarterback stuff. I'll let you continue on the all I know you like. is that is a that's a great weekend right there. The weekend of the spring game. That is obviously the spring game, which is exciting because we could see Jalen Hurts for the first time and presumably maybe a little bit of the new defense. And then also Lee, that is Masters weekend. So we might have we might have Tiger Woods reclaiming or going back to the promised land. Which is what I'm hoping hoping to watch, and then of okay. course we have we have Game of Thrones premiere, final season that night as well, eventful weekend, Lee. Next yes, weekend, I'm excited. And I will say this now: I mean, if you are this far into this podcast, you just really enjoy this podcast. So I'll take a couple seconds. I was honestly thinking earlier this week, you know what I'd love to do at the at the end of our podcast is talk about Game of Thrones. And just see if there's anybody in our audience that would even care about that. I don't know if we're going to do that. Oh, I guarantee you we have, we have audience members who are into Game of Thrones. It's a cultural phenomenon. But the question <laughs> is, do they, would they care about what we think about that? I, I will say, you, you've been rewatching it. I've been rewatching it. I'm through season five. Probably, I feel a I, lot more comfortable now about doing a, a podcast talk about it than I would have if I would not have rewatched the show. Yeah, I always welcome people's thoughts on Game of Thrones, but we All don't right, need so to maybe, talk. We don't need to talk about Thrones on this podcast. I know, Stupid. I know. That, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm looking at the the forecast, the extended forecast for Norman. Oh goodness gracious! Saturday, April thirteenth, p.m. showers, high of sixty one degrees, cloudy with occasional showers for the afternoon. This has got okay. This needs to change in the next. I guess what is it now? Less than ten days. So, all right, we have one more piece of sound to play, Grant. We get some special teams talk. Finally, for the first time in the spring, I should say. Well, I guess, yeah, for the first time this spring, we got an update on who's going to be replacing Austin Seibert kicking field goals. Jay Bolware told us that Gabe Burkich and Callum Sutherland are both competing for the kicking job right now. Here's Bolware's thoughts on that competition. They're both competing right now. It's, it's, it's getting pretty pretty intense so I, I can't wait to this summer and see how far those guys really carry it uh, because you don't have to have a tremendously strong leg to be a great field goal kicker and uh, one of the guys has a really strong leg and the other one doesn't so you know, you know the natural selection would be hey just pick the guy with the strong leg well not so fast you know so I'm looking at you know where those guys are right now and, and uh, I'll probably you know tell which hey this is where you are right now if we have to start today this is where you are you know, so hopefully that lights a fire under both of them and see if they can finish it up this summer and, and, and come on strong. So that's Jay Bulware on the kicking situation. I believe uh, Burkich is the guy with the stronger leg that he mentioned. And I would, so I would assume then that, that Sutherland, uh, his leg is not as strong. But um, So, yeah, there's a competition. It's two guys. And those two players, it would seem, are not going to be punting. The punter has been Reeves Munchow. That's who's been punting, according to Jay Bulware. So, so we're going to go back to back to normal, huh? It would seem that way. According to Bulware, Munchow has been doing a phenomenal job so far doing what they tell him to do. I do got to say, it was as a fan, it is pretty nice to have the same field goal kicker and punter for four consecutive years. <laughs> yeah. So you, just, you, don't even, you don't even have to think about it. It's nice. See, we were already annoyed with kicking, even though Austin Seibert was one of the best kickers in college, honestly, the past couple of years. But now we've got brand new guys, and it's going to be a whole other thing now. We're going to have to restart that again, and boy, hopefully. Well, I mean, if 
Yeah. Lincoln Riley's doing his job correctly. It shouldn't be a problem. Don't yeah. don't freaking kick field goals unless unless it's to win a game or if it's like fourth and twenty or something. Some good news on the special teams front as far as the coverage teams go, kickoff team, punt team. Boer saying that they're looking really good. Looking really good out there. Taking a lot of pride in it. And honestly, the special teams got a lot better last year with uh, obviously Bullway there. And then I'm sure Shane Beamer helped out quite a bit as well coming in from from Georgia. Yeah, it doesn't always, though, you don't really you don't always see evidence of it because they what I they maybe defended 10 kickoffs all season long, maybe like, <laughs> oh, I mean, like that's oh, not even. Yeah, that's not even backs. hyperbole. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, cyber like, you know, had a touchback well over 90 percent of the time. Yeah, I would have much rather that touchback rule not be a thing and see if they tried to implement more of a pin them deep type thing that we saw yeah. Georgia utilize Ooh. in the Rose Bowl. I'd like that quite a bit, yeah. But I just, I mean, Cybert was almost automatic with touchbacks, so I'm sure they were like, you know what, let's just keep doing this. And, you know, may, you know maybe that'll change. Maybe, uh, you know, they'll try to utilize this different approach with Beamer and see if teams – refuse to call for fair catches and you know in like the seven yard line which they can now and get a, a touchback and i that's i i know we didn't talk about that much like at all well, if at, at all force them to make a decision right right we didn't really talk about that at all i mean because cybert had so many touchbacks but that was one of my concerns going into last year that concerns too strong of a word i i was annoyed by that rule change i i really wanted to see if oklahoma would try to implement more of that kick it to like the three or whatever yard line and try to pin them inside the 20 inside the 25 yard line so touchbacks weren't the best thing yeah for me it's always one of those things like special teams is super annoying unless your team is like awesome at them so yeah like when foe is really bad at special teams i'm like i'm okay with them totally like eliminating the need for them <laughs> but if they can use it as a weapon like i i want them to do so yeah, Oklahoma was good on special teams last year, from from what I remember. Yeah, they were fine. They're fine, with the exception of Cavante Turpin in the TCU game. Oh yeah, that's basically it. I suppose I just, that was really the only time they were truly dreadful. It would have been nice if they would have, you know, they started the year with that block punt return, and then they had another block punt. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. I guess I was against Baylor kind of later, or, or whatever it was. But it would have no, it wasn't a block punt. Sorry, I'm, I'm thinking of whenever uh, I think Baylor muffed a punt and Curtis Bolton recovered it. And uh, he can't he can't uh, advance those muff punts. Anyways, uh, that's all I have. I don't have any like in depth stuff on the special teams. Just wanted to bring that information up in case you hadn't heard it yet. That's all uh, we have for today, Grant. Unless you want to add anything else, this is a you know, hard ninety minutes on this one. Hopefully, everyone had a lot of information. No, I'm good. All right. Well, that's it for today. We'll be back a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll be back next week, and we're gonna be previewing the spring game. It's almost already here. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.